This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Teal Talk Radio, Season 6, Episode 36. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 36 of Teal Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Cuny-Hatton. And I'm Randy Zickenfoos. Today, we're speaking with Kevin Baird, co-author of Whole, What Teachers Need to Help Students Thrive, a new book that explains how removing stress from the classroom holds the key to improving education. Kevin is chairman at the Global Center for College and Career Readiness and a co-author of the Pathway for College and Career Readiness Standards. For more than 20 years, he served our nation's schools as an expert in the use of technology to achieve accelerated, engaged learning. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Great to have you this morning. It's my pleasure and honor. Nice to be here. Wonderful. So let's get our conversation started this morning. And let's focus on the interesting backstory that gave birth to this idea for the book and focusing on the well-being of teachers and that well-being as a key to transforming our educational system. So um, the backstory can be longer or shorter. I'm going to give you the entire (laughs) backstory because it really speaks to how we create sustainable change in our schools. The story really begins in Sarasota, Florida, and a woman named Dr. Paige Detman and a man named Bill Latham. Uh, And uh, Bill is an environments planner, and Paige is a force of nature. And she was uh, a driving change in middle schools. And uh, I came in as a part of the Center for College and Career Readiness asking, how could we implement instruction that would improve some of the middle school outcomes? Usually in schools, when you have leadership turnover, for instance, you have a new principal or a new superintendent, all of the things you were trying to do, they kind of go away. Well, it didn't go away. It persisted. And what we came to understand is that the process that Dr. Detman had set forth to do, which began with designing a curriculum with Dr. Doug Fisher, and then designing the environment with Bill Latham, and then looking at the structure of interaction between teachers and kids and administrators with me, that it persisted because it was holistic. Fast forward. 
Bill Latham meets Rex Miller. Rex is a futurist, and they write a book humanizing the education machine as a part of the mind shift collaborative. They got tons of people, myself included, together that included everything from architects to clinicians and psychologists to educators trying to look at the whole thing because that's what we found in Sarasota. It was the whole approach. That book revealed some of the outlier examples of success in schools that were located in communities where those schools should have been failing. There should have been drugs. There should have been gangs. There should have been disaster, but the, the schools were succeeding. Fast forward. Rex Miller, who works with Google and, and all of these large companies, Disney, et cetera, his next book is called The Healthy Workplace Nudge. And what he sets out to do is to ask, why do workplace wellness programs fail? <laughs> and how do we make them successful? And what he finds is that you can't do it via a policy. You do it via nudges. You think about how you gently, slowly change the relationships between people in food, people in, in the cafeteria, people in each other, people in their stressors. And then, voila, there's a fact that comes to be known. If you remember, under the Obama administration, all of our medical records were digitized. And that allowed large people, like um, uh, Kaiser Permanente, to do these really large studies of what was happening in our medical histories. And they found this really fascinating thing. The level of stress hormone cortisol in teachers was higher than the level of that stress hormone in soldiers returning from battle. That was actually the moment as we were thinking about the healthy workplace nudge that we said, we have to look at what's happening with teacher stress in our classrooms and how we came to look at that as a part of the whole approach to creating change. So that's an interesting backstory, and that actually connects very much to the, the thing that sort of slammed me in the face from reading the book, and that's how you're reframing this idea of how we perceive teacher engagement. Um, so talk to us a little bit about what is that new story that you're com communicating through the text, and especially keeping our audience in mind as school administrators. How is this, yeah. this new reframing of teacher engagement? How do we need to better understand that? I want you to consider for a moment all the stuff you buy, all the curriculum, all the iPads, all the technology, all the professional development, all the stuff you buy as a way to move a student forward. What we've come to understand is that the engaged teacher is actually the single most important thing and you can't buy it. The engaged teacher is a teacher who operates with less stress and more support. And by the way, if you're interested in research, you can look at the research of John Hattie that finds that combined teacher self-efficacy or self-confidence is one of the top three drivers of student success. So we're reframing this idea of teacher engagement or by the way, teacher disengagement. If you look at the data from Gallup, that more than one half of our teachers are not engaged. That is not a symptom. That's not the teacher's fault. As leaders, that's our challenge. And that is job number one that we must fix. You can buy all the curriculum in the world. You can change your standards every other year. You can test your students into oblivion. 
If you provide a classroom with stressed out teachers, they will not be engaged and those students will not move forward. So let's focus on that idea of the teacher and the teacher creating relationships with learners. And um, in the book, you describe relationships as the oxygen of learning, right? Share with us some ideas or some qualities of healthy relationships which exist between teachers and students and as well as teachers and school leaders or community members. And, and then also some non-examples, those kinds of relationships that we should work to avoid. First of all, relationships begin with the word real and the action of conversation. I wanna have a real conversation with you. A relationship is about coming together human to human, not teacher to student, not boss to the employee in the classroom, not the person who's going to grade you and deliver you some magical thing, but as a human who seeks to understand where you are today. How are you? Do you need a break? Do you need some choice in where you're going to sit today? That authentic relationship, which by the way, requires either a really strong teacher who will naturally fight against all of the unnatural things in the classroom, like curriculum and scope and sequence and standards and all the things that get in the way between the teacher and the student as humans, right? A strong teacher or a strong leader that provides the teacher with the leeway, with the space to come together as a human. Learning, instruction, apprenticeship is a human activity. And again, we see when, when you find success, you see the relationship between the leader and teacher as one of trust. That's also true between the teacher and the student. One of permission to be your best, permission to try, permission to fail and always support, I have your back. How are you doing today? I believe in you. And again, on the leader to teacher side, that means that I need a leader who will stand up to some of the things that we do that destroy that relationship, like um, uh, artificial teacher evaluation processes, which actually have zero value inside of the structure. So uh, love the way that the book pushes our thinking to really change our paradigm around this idea of uh, engagement of the uh, adult learners in the learning environment. So you've done a lot of work. You've done a lot of thinking about this. Uh, what are some examples from around the country where there are learning environments that are actually bringing some of these ideas to life? Talk to us about some of those. Sure. So um, I'm going to give you a reason to get the book. So I'll speak to some of the ones that aren't in the book because the book has a number of places. Um, I, I want to call out if you if you Googled the recipients of the XQ Prize that was given by the Emerson Collective. Uh, that's uh, obviously the foundation that was set up uh, by uh, Steve Jobs' widow. Um, you would find a lot of them. And actually, uh, my colleagues uh, over there, we began by looking at their examples. But I I'll speak to a few. <clears throat> um, Pittsburgh, uh, not too far from you all. Mm -hmm. uh, Pittsburgh has a new leadership team, and they are really beginning from a place of understanding the student as a human and asking, how do I make sure that there's equity? And how do I understand the teacher as both needing equity and needing support? And, and I think that they're, they're going to make enormous strides in um, what is a, a fairly hard kind of uh, uh, scenario. Uh, in the inner city of uh, LA, 
um, you could look up Rise. Uh, Rise is actually one of the uh, uh, places that was funded by XQ. They have more counselors than teachers. I'm going to say that again. They have more counselors than teachers. Their strategy is to address the human problem and then to bring on the learning. And by the way, those counselors work with kids to work through their problems of life. They also work with uh, the teachers. Nord Anglia. Nord Anglia is a, a set of charter schools and private schools. They work around the world. And one of the things that they do is, is they not only have very high expectations, they have enormously high expectations for their curriculum. And they can do that because they're a private enterprise. But they come at their approach through the idea of caring for the student and caring for the teacher in a caring community. And that really, I think, changes um, what makes them super special inside of their communities. Rowan Salisbury, North Carolina, if you look them up, these folks, and they have, you know, uh, really affluent neighborhoods and they have neighborhoods that don't have um, anything. Uh, they would go out and they would put um, uh, signs on the uh, front lawns of the kids, many of them poor kids, uh, uh, talking about how successful those students were. This is a achiever that lives in this house. Uh, they went out in the community and they created um, uh, little libraries using mailboxes. And that was an issue of access, but also equity of encouragement. Um, I would also note Littleton, Colorado. Littleton, Colorado is inside of a process where they want to look at their spaces, their learning environments, but they are starting not from the idea of how am I going to put a new desk in here, but how am I going to design the relationships between students and teachers and leaders for this amazing outcome and then populate the actual hard space around that. And lastly, in Florida, uh, Space Coast, uh, junior high and senior high, they're doing the same thing. They begin with the question, how are we going to create learning experience based upon relationships filled with trust, relationships that honor the teacher and the student are human, and then build both the curriculum and the hardscape programs around it. So if you're listening, you could look all of those up, or I'd be happy to connect you with some of those folks. Amazing work. Well, thank you so much for sharing those and pointing to some highlights and also reminding us that our readers, our listeners turned readers, can um, take a look at the book and see some additional um, learner-centered learning environments. So let's shift to the role of the leader. As you know, Randy and I are both leaders in our, in our districts. We support our central office team, our building leader team. Um, and, you know, one of our primary roles as leaders is to support our teachers, um, especially important right now as we're recording this during COVID and our teachers have shifted to our online learning environments in Pennsylvania. So what concrete actions could leaders take today to better support our teachers? First of all, I think that there is literally a mind shift, and I think COVID might be one of the um, reasons that we start to shift our minds more quickly uh, away from simply the operation, the doing of things, the taking of action to, as leaders, supporting our teachers in understanding how they feel, how they see the world, what is the teacher's life right now as they walk into the building or they walked into the classroom? And what do they need from me as a leader to support them in their practice? I'm going to go back to uh, the work of John Hattie. Combined teacher self-efficacy or self-confidence is one of the top three drivers 
of success. So if I'm a leader, let's say I'm doing assessment, which I have to do, and the data comes back. I could approach that data by asking, what are all the problems? And I should look at those problems. But I should also have a discussion with the teacher about what are the specific things you as a teacher want to do to attack some of these challenges. And then I want to encourage that teacher. I want to show up and find that teacher doing amazing things. It is the positive vision that we can, the highlighting of where we are succeeding. And by the way, not living in a world where I always have rose-colored glasses, but calling out some of the things that aren't succeeding, because that's actually where we build trust. If I always have positive messages, I might uh, call out some of the recent press briefings, right, that we've seen on the news. If my messages are always rosy, no one believes them. I have to be able to be straightforward but also to be actionable. And that means a straightforward conversation individually with the teacher, action to that teacher, and then being supportive to that teacher. However, I, you know, I, I, I just had a conversation um, with my, my friend and colleague, Annette Gurley. Uh, Annette, she lives on the south side of Chicago. Uh, she is the former chief academic officer in Chicago public schools. And she is right now, probably today, uh, she's doing online teaching. Uh, and she's helping to fill in. Uh, and she has a list of what teachers need from their leaders right now today and what principals need from the central office. And I would say that today, our teachers, they need connection. They need one-on-one. -on -one. Has the principal called them up? Have they had a talk about how's it going? Not just how's it going in the online learning, but how's it going in life? They need a virtual PLC where they can talk and connect. Connectedness is more important than ever before. And the same thing, by the way, uh, is true between principals and the district leadership. And by the way, have something to bring to the party. It isn't just bringing yourself or bringing your compassion, but go out as a leader and do some reading or do some thinking so that you have some ideas to bring as well because folks are looking for connection, but they're also looking for some new ideas and for some support. That's more true today than ever before, in part because a lot of us are at home, but it's still true when I walk in the classroom. And I'll leave you with that one last thought. We're gonna go back to school. We're gonna return to a sense of normalcy principals are going to walk back into classrooms and do observations and evaluations. If I walk into a classroom and I don't greet the teacher as a human being and my colleague, a peer, and I don't have some conversation with them afterwards, that no matter what I saw, gave them, if, even if I wanted to say, here's something I saw, here's something to think about, and then here are three things that I saw that were really wonderful, that's connection. Because what happens a lot of times is we walk in and out of the classroom and there's no connection. And by the way, the kids see that. The kids see that as well. And that actually impacts how the kids view the teacher. And it certainly impacts the teacher's stress in that classroom.
So today's conversation has been really interesting, and one of the connections that I'm making is to a lot of what we talk about around here, and that is learner-centered education, how we transforming our system to be more about starting with the learner and the individual. And I think you're expanding our thinking to take that idea of learner-centered and looking at our teachers as learners, too, and looking at the human side and building that relationship and, and mirroring the same thing that we want our teachers to do in the classroom with our kids, we also have to do with our teachers. So I really appreciate that connection and uh, pushing our thinking forward in that area. And Randy, one of the things I would say is that um, you know, in a learner-centered environment, the learner-centered environment has to start with a happy, supported, less stressed teacher. A lot of times we jump to the kid, we jump to the student, and we forget the teacher. And, and we can't do that. That's a really big message in the book. Learner-centered starts with teacher-supported. Excellent. All right. So, uh, Kevin, we close out our podcast with our guests giving us some answers to our lightning response questions. We've got three of them. So the first one is, who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about teacher well-being? I have to give you two. Ray McDulty at the Successful Practices Network and Doug Fisher. You can find him at Fisher and Fry. Excellent. Second question. If you were recommending one book to our listeners, what would it be? Besides Hall, What Teachers Need to Help Students Thrive, Got it. please read Healthy Workplace Nudge by Rex Miller. It will help you think differently about how we create change, small incremental nudges as leaders. All right. And finally, clearly you are a learner. You're an expert in thinking about this. So how do you, as a as a person, as an educator, continue to learn? What site, resources, people do you access regularly to uh, keep learning? Three ideas. One, subscribe to things that are outside of education. Uh, for instance, I subscribe to McKinsey's um, uh, uh, various briefings. Uh, secondly, uh, Ed Week. I subscribe to all the things and then I just kind of skim them to see what's happening in the national conversation. And then lastly, take time to engage with experts both in your domain and outside of your domain. We become very insular. So speaking to people from a different district and also a different role. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, advice well taken, and we'll be sure to include those resources in our show notes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the conversation this morning, Kevin. And last question for you, what's next um, as you're working? What are you working on now that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, the Center for College and Career Readiness and the Successful Practices Network has begun a collaboration with leaders across American education. We think about it as the leadership of the American educational community. In the absence of leadership from the United States Department of Education at this time when we need it, we are going to have to lead ourselves out of this challenge. Um, and if you're interested in participating in that conversation, uh, anybody who is a leader is welcome to that. The outcome of that will be some very specific recommendations for principals, for leaders, as to not only how we get back to school, but two things. The kids that come back to school, they're not going to be see summer slide. They're going to see COVID slide months and mm -hmm. months out of school. On grade level content will likely not meet the requirements of a free, accessible public education. Access is the critical thing. So how do we have access 
acceleration and equity at the top of the agenda. And to that end, how do we meet and see and understand the trauma that's walking in our schools this fall, trauma that's in our leaders' world, in our teachers' world, and in our students' world. And you all would, are welcome to engage in that conversation because no one else is going to lead us through it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing those ideas. And um, we appreciate the resources. I'll also add that Center for College and Career Readiness into the um, show notes so that our listeners can go check it out too. Thank you. So each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, what actions can you take to better support your teachers so they can do the complex challenge of educating today's learners? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season six, episode 36. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Kevin. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Take care. want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.